Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast, where we are rediscovering the ancient way. Thank you so much for tuning in with us today here yet again. You can always find us at pathtozion.com for the audio version of all these episodes from years past up to present. And of course, our newer versions almost always being in video form here on YouTube. And I thank you for tuning in. I told you last time, um, I believe less than a week ago when we did our last episode, I told you, I thought that we would start hitting some more regularity, a little bit more frequency in episodes, and so here we are, and we thank you for watching. Now, now I'm going to have to get right to it today. This is going to be a lengthy series, and I will, I'm going to explain it the best way I know how up front to give you a little bit of a peek to peer into what we're going to talk about, a broad stroke, if you will. Um, now, if you are a preacher, a teacher, or... or or, or even anything, even in the secular world, where you get up and you speak on a point, any matter that you speak to in a public forum, um, if you're doing something that's just very concise, and like a sermon, for example, it's the only really thing I know how to personally relate it to, it's pretty easy. A sermon these days, very little is expected as far as time, and you know, if you can even come up with even just only 20 minutes, that's pretty satisfactory for most gatherings. Um, the only hard part about that for people like me is, is condensing something down to be short. But when you do something like what I'm going to present to you over this next few episodes, it's very challenging. And the reason is because this is a very huge topic. Number one, it's a very touchy topic. Very, 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 very tender. Offensive. Number three... There is such a volume of, of information, historically, biblically, um, traditionally, that, that kind of comes packaged into what we're going to tackle today. Um, and so it, it's quite taxing. This has taken a number of hours uh, for me to do my best to be ready to present it to you. So I'm going to ask you at the very beginning to be patient for the ball to get rolling, if you will, um, with this series in particular. Um, we've talked about it before, and of course, the time of year that it is right now, it's a fitting thing. And one more thing I will say before I start getting to my notes specifically, which I will have to do a lot of reading today because I want to stay more focused. I didn't really personally, I don't really want to do this. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I don't want to present it. I don't want to ruffle feathers. I don't want to offend anybody. I'm just not interested anymore. There were years when I wanted to do that. I enjoyed it. But those years are long gone. I, I don't want to do that. That's not my goal anymore. And I don't really find any satisfaction in doing so. Um, so that being said, this topic is, is going to be two components that I will present to you in just a minute. Um, but the reason that I'm bringing this up is for the, the many people that are asking questions in this hour towards what we do as believers, followers of Yeshua, Jesus, what we don't do. Why do we do this and not do that? And there are a lot of people asking these questions. And this time of year, as, as, the, as 2021 begins to come to a close, in this nation especially, which is what we're going to hone in on, this is the Christmas season. And so we're going to talk about that. And I titled this series, Festivals of Men or 
feasts of the Lord. Festivals of men or feasts of the Lord. Another biblical challenge to Christmas. Now, I've talked about this before, as I've already said. I did two years ago um, a multi-part series, four parts, I believe, audio only, um, called Confronting Christmas, uh, a spiritual man perspective. And I said a lot within that series about the pagan origins of Christmas. And right now, many people can just turn it off and walk away and say it's impossible. So this this series is not for for you or for them. This this is not for the person whose feet are just locked down in concrete saying, we will not even consider that this holiday is idolatrous in nature. We will not consider it's about Jesus. You will never convince me otherwise. I, most of the people I know that are just Christians, just normal Christian American upbringing and belief systems, believe that there's no way in the world Christmas can be bad, to use a very simple term. But there are also equally very many Christians that are beginning to ask questions about this holiday season. And why do we do these things? And why don't we do these other things? And so that's why it's titled what it, of, of what it is. And this, this series is not going to be a laundry list of the pagan origins of Christmas. Uh, I've, like I said, I've tackled that before. You can find that everywhere. It's easy. Um, to, it's, it does not take much time to dig those things out from a historical uh, standpoint. Don't, don't go to you know, your favorite Christian American website and try to find the truth about Christmas because all you'll find is how we have Christianized everything down to why we hang green and red. Well, it's the blood of Jesus, and green is, you know, from the earth, and so it's the cross, and you wrap it with a brown. You know what I'm saying? We've just, we've, we can Christianize anything, which is what we're going to talk about a lot. Now, I'm going to start reading some of this to get me back into the vein uh, of thought that I want to present as clear as I know how, and so I'll try to stick to what I have written here. Um, and I will insert that that we're going to talk about again this twofold compartmentalized presentation of the festivals of men and the feasts of the Lord, and we're going to put them side by side, and you're going to get to choose for yourself. That's my goal: is to not say you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, and by some crazy stretch of the imagination, I am somehow right. But what I am going to say is, let's look at the patterns of of history the origins and sources of the Christmas holiday, historically speaking, outside of the Christianized versions that we've all been handed. And we're going to put the feasts of the Lord beside them, and we're going to talk about that from a biblical standpoint, read, of course, many scriptures around it. And it's just going to be presented to you on on two different platters, if you will, and you're just going to have to choose. And that's not up to me. That's up to all of us individually. And so I'm just not interested in being... A, this is what you need to do guy anymore. I'm just saying, here it is. <laughs> do with it what you will, which is really a heart issue that all of us have to face and deal with. And so let me just go ahead and start reading some of what I've compiled here. Um, festivals of men or feasts of the Lord. Um, and just to kind of jump right in here, it seems that that there is an honest question to be asked to the American church. I want to pose a lot of a lot of questions in this series. And and again, we're always going to be paralleling these two festivals and celebrations of men right alongside the feasts of Yahweh Elohim. 
And so the question he's asked, if the majority of Christians, most people in the Christian church, are unwilling to observe, memorialize, and celebrate God's appointed feasts, that is an agreed-upon statement. I grew up in the church, as I've said on here many times. I'm 48 years old. I was mostly in the Christian church my entire upbringing until I left the house when I moved out. And then, of course, I got back in and even into a leadership role where I saw firsthand, up front and center, what needed to be taught to appease the Christian doctrine. And and I didn't know any, anything else, of course. I knew nothing different. I was, I was handing on to others what had been handed to me. It's just that is what traditions do. And so... The question, though, is if the majority of the Christian church are unwilling to observe, memorialize, and celebrate God's appointed feasts, his festivals, his moedim, his special set-apart consecrated times, why are they completely okay with creating and celebrating their own? And and that's a thought-provoking question if we really want to start at a ground level, is if we as a church, as, as a Christian nation even, which is, I, you know, I don't agree with that, but it, it, it connects with many people, is if we as, as Christian believers, followers of Messiah, of the Jewish rabbi Yeshua, who lived in Israel, all these things, if, if we don't follow even what he followed, what the disciples followed, the feasts, after Yeshua left, first century, second century, the followers of the way kept the feasts. You can see that throughout there. We're going to touch on that text in the second part of this study. But if we don't memorialize those days, and they and, and countless times in a million different ways, I've heard people that I love say, I've prayed about that. Those aren't for me. I'm not supposed to do that. Or my favorite, I don't have to do that anymore. Which is, again, as we talk about a lot, a total misunderstanding of what the feasts even are, as if they are, again, as we've been handed and taught to us, burdensome, heavy. That's for the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and Jesus came and told them that they were whitewashed tombs. Well, I'm not going to get into that. We, we've, we've debunked that misunderstanding and misinterpretation of scriptures a million and one times, even here on our program. But it's worth asking the question, if, if the festivals and feasts of Yahweh Elohim are not for us, that's not for us. That's for the Jews. I'm not Jewish. If those aren't for us, how is Christmas for us? It's not in the Bible at all, Christmas. Now, the birth of Messiah, of course, is in the Bible, but the celebration of his birth, nowhere to be found. Nowhere. Nowhere to be found. But we'll do that wholeheartedly as we see all around us right now, right outside every window in every storefront throughout this entire nation. Now, as I mentioned, the the confronting Christmas series, the four-part series from two years ago, it goes into the origins of Christmas from the paganness of it in much more detail than we're going to cover here. And probably with a little more angst uh, behind it from me at the time. Hopefully, I've come out of that a little bit. Um, and so a, a little background about this, this compilation specifically is I started doing a study um, towards mixing idolatrous ways with the worship of Yahweh. And this is going to still be a common thread throughout this entire series. But I was looking into Jeroboam 
the sons of Aaron and the offering of the strange fire, um, the ark of, of Yahweh taken into the temple of Dagon, and all of the, the endless, really, examples of biblical accounts of what happened when the idolatrous ways of man came into and tried to intermingle with the, with the true, holy, right worship of Yahweh Elohim. Time and time and time and time again, we saw a pattern instated throughout Yahweh's people. It did not go well. It did not go well. Yahweh will not tolerate sharing a temple. He won't tolerate sharing of idolatrous ways, trying to be squeezed and forced into his ways. He will not have it. He never has, and he never will. Um, We don't have to know much about the Bible to know that that's, in fact, very true and, and clearly spoken to us in the Word of God. I would propose that there's something worse than blatantly open idolatry. It's darkness that has masqueraded as light and has persuaded Yah's people that they are actually worshiping him as they celebrate feasts and festivals of men. Paraphrased. I believe it's much worse than like me worshiping this pen and just attributing my worship to it as an entity— It would be far worse for me than that, than to take this and to put this in Yahweh's temple and attribute worship to him via it, if that makes sense. And we're going to talk about different scriptural examples of that. But that's really, I had pages, three or four pages typed out of just that starting point, but I felt like it was just becoming, it was becoming huge. It was becoming more than I could really bite off and have appropriately delivered in time for this Christmas season to come and go. And so I would say the bigger warning that we see throughout the pattern of Scripture now, and again, we don't have time to go into all those because we're going to get into plenty here in a moment, but Christian innuendos sprinkled about within secular culture where the church and the world have no distinction, no division, and are all blurred altogether is a very big problem in the body of Messiah. It's not something new. It's not something now because of the world of mega church and hipster church and smoke and light and awesome worship music thumping into your into your body church. This is ancient old issues. Mixing, mixing and idolatry in the house of God. We see if we spent time do I read it? I I want to read Ezekiel chapter 8, but Read is pause this. Read Ezekiel chapter eight, where where the prophet sees something. He sees all this idolatry. He sees he sees what we could say worsen incrementally worsening idolatry listed out. And so basically, you think that's Ezekiel. You think that's bad. Wait till you see this. You think this is bad. Wait till you see this. And it's this progression or digression would be a better way to put it of. That, that culminates of idolatry in Yahweh's temple. It's like that's the pinnacle of the worst part of it is, and this is the point of what I'm getting at, the, the worst part of idolatry, the worst type, if you will, is when it's in the house of the Lord, not according to his prescribed way. We've talked about that in so many different ways before, pulling out scriptures and talking about certain individual accounts of how when men approached Yahweh according to their own terms, according to their own ideas, best interests, and best ideas, it did not go well. Now, why is that? 
because Yahweh Elohim, our awesome Heavenly Father, is seated in absolute authority, and He has told us what is pleasing to Him. He's told us what He desires. He has revealed through His Word throughout all of time. This is what I ask. But we, humanity, and the church to be specific, we have other ways. We have other ideas. And we take some of this and we take some of this and we formulate our own way to go into the house of the Lord and worship him according to our own thinking, our own ideas. And it's very dangerous. We're going to talk a lot about that as well. But that was where, like I'm saying, that's where a lot of this um, series started. But I just unplugged. I, I just felt like this is a week ago. I just need to pray some more about specifics. I, I just taught on wisdom. Um and one through nine, in, in uh, chapters one through nine of Proverbs, and how Lady Wisdom is always going out and beckoning us to come to her house. And so I've been practicing that myself, trying to learn what I'm saying out of my own mouth and apply that to my life day after day, moment after moment. Okay, this is where I feel like this needs to go. But Father, what's your words of wisdom saying? What are your words saying? Your instruction, your direction, what do you want me to do with this? And so I started to shift gears. And I'm going to share with you a bit of a personal testimony from just two days ago. People ask me, what is that stuff you drink? This is pink lemonade stuff shot into water, mixed together. I said, what are you drinking? (laughs) Okay, so two days ago, I don't remember what day it was, it doesn't matter. Me and my, my wife is out having dinner with a friend, and so my son and I were, were going into town. Now, we live out in the country. Go, you go into town or you go into the city. Town is just right up the road where there's a gas station and a restaurant and a trash dump. Going to the city now, that's, that's really going out. You got to, you know, clean up a little bit. But we were going into town, my son and I. And unbeknownst to us, Going into town, I see traffic really backing up, and I'm like, what is going on? There's no traffic where we live. There's no stoplights. There's no stop signs. So I was taking notice. What is going on? Lights, brake lights, brake lights, and I realized there's cars backed up, and I thought, Christmas parade. There's a Christmas parade down here today. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I hope it's towards the end because there's really, other than going all the way out in the country back towards our house and back around, there's really no way through town to where I was trying to get, which is just on the other side of the town, of town, which is basically two blocks away. So, no big deal. We're sitting there. I'm telling Noah, my son, what, what's going on. This is a Christmas parade, honey. They're, you know, the tractors and the cheerleaders um, you know, you know the drill. Thankfully, we were at the tail end and it was just finishing up. So the policeman pulled off and traffic begins to slowly make their way through. Not a big deal at all. And all of a sudden something hit me that I want to share. And, and I, the reason I'm sharing this is so that you know my heart. So you can peek into my heart a little bit and not think I'm just some angry Scrooge who hates Christmas and all these. As I've shared in previous years um, episodes of when I talk about Christmas, Christmas is one of the most endearing seasons of my entire life as a child. My childhood Christmas experiences were better than anyone else's in all of America. Picturesque, perfect. Loved it. Loved everything about it. But nobody ever taught me anything else. It was just an awesome time. 
But that does not in any way affect my vantage point of what it is now, according to the Bible, and what is right and good and true and pleasing in the eyes of my Father. So just put that into your thinking caps towards analyzing how I present what I will. And so back to two days ago, we're driving into town at the tail end of the parade, and I'm just talking to my son about it, and I'm just thinking, you know, I ask him questions like, buddy, do you wish that we did this, you know? Like, do you kind of long for the fun and the lights? And, you know, he's like, no, Dad, I understand, you know, I get it. Um, And, you know, so we had this pretty lighthearted conversation. It wasn't super deep. So we talked about that. And so it's just quiet now. Music's playing. I've got some music playing in the truck, which will be key in a moment. But we're going through, and we're just letting everybody go. There's old tractors, classic cars. Uh, it's just, you know, a fun time. It's just innocent fun, right? It's fine. On the surface, it's wonderfully beautiful. And I'm just thinking, I'm wrestling in my heart as a father of that place in me as a father now, as a man, a flesh and blood man of just, you know, I just, to be completely honest, I just wish we could do that. I just wish we could go be a part of it. Have fun. Just have fun. Loosen up. Lighten up, Joel. Just have fun. And so I'm just in inside now. I'm not saying anything. My son's quiet. The music's playing. And I'm just doing this deep introspection of my heart. And so I'm just thinking through all these things that I won't list, of course, in, in fullness. But I'm just thinking, man, I just kind of I kind of miss the ease of doing whatever I want. <laughs> What's just enjoyable to me or fun to a 10-year-old boy. And not in any way, Father, I'm not allowed to do that. I wish I was allowed to do something fun. It's not that, to be clear, because people hear that and they say, see, you're in bondage. No, you don't understand. Because that's the thing that moments later came in me is like, no way. I wouldn't trade what Father has revealed and taught us in the last several years for any of that. None of it. None. Because when you put them side by side, have your traditions, have your fun, have your candy and parades and Santa Claus and reindeer and just have all that. I don't I don't need it anymore. I don't need it. It doesn't bring me satisfaction because I know Father's ways. And so as I'm going through all of this, <laughs> there's this there's this song. We've been listening, we were always looking for new music, and I found this record days ago where it's just the psalms and and this song specifically it's playing it's this beautiful song and i just love it the sound of it's just acoustic and moving and stirring and and the lyric as soon as i'm having this moment gets to the chorus and he says i will give my life and i will go wherever you follow great father i will go wherever you lead me I give my life to you. So wherever you lead us is where we're going. And all of a sudden, boom, floodgates are pouring out of my face. And my son, of course, whoa, what, what's going on, Dad? <laughs> but I, I, was, I was overwhelmed with emotion. And I just started telling my son with tears flowing down my face. I'm not exaggerating. You can ask him. 
flowing down my face, crying, saying, son, this will cost us everything to follow our Messiah. This will cost us fun, traditions, good things that everybody else for the most part are doing and looking at us saying, what's wrong with you? I said, son, this, if you choose this walk, if you choose to walk your debt after your daddy and follow your daddy who's trying to follow his, this is going to cost you, son. You're going to look like a fool. You're going to miss out on things that the world and even the church tells you is fun and for you, and it's okay. It's okay. Look, there's baby Jesus in the manger on the back of that truck, son. How can this be bad? <laughs> but son, count the cost. Count the cost. And I say that to you, friend, and I say that to me every day in a different way about a different matter, to count the cost. To end this part here, and then we'll move on. Some of the many questions that I will pose to get us to thinking throughout this series. Can we, by our own volition, pick and choose what is godly and acceptable and pleasing in Father's sight? Can we decide that? Can we choose what we present to him and how he responds to it? Is it up to us? Real quick, I will insert uh, an individual you're familiar with. His name is Cain. Do we have the right ever given to us to brand something about God or his son if, in fact, at its inception, It never had anything to do with either one of them to begin with. Can we take something that at its source and origin had nothing to do with Yahweh and his son, Yeshua Messiah, and by our own choosing, assign it meaning, and thereby it's deemed acceptable in his sight because we say so, because we put them into it. Can we do that? Another question. If that mindset is true, and we can... Can we not justify thereby anything that we choose? Can we not justify anything with that logic, with that approach? Can I not take anything in my life and say, well, I'm doing it unto the Lord? Well, brother, that's, that's idolatry. That's sin. No, no, no. Not in my heart, brother. In my heart, it's pleasing before the Lord. If we use that logic, we have to follow that fully. Another question, is this not living exactly like the world does in order to endorse and justify whatever they need to in order to maintain a clear conscience? I'm just, this is literally not in my notes, it just pops in my head. What about gays and lesbians? What about gay and lesbian churches? Oh, no, no, no. Blatant idolatry. That's in the word of God. Well, you know what else is in the word of God? In the Ten Commandments, Seventh-day Sabbath. What about that? Oh, no, well, that's different. Okay, we've justified that out. We've rationalized that out. We can't really know anyway, so why bother? We justify. We explain away in order to accommodate what? Our own ideas and our own traditions. This is very dangerous doctrine. It's very dangerous thinking. It's dangerous for us to do that. 
And so we're going to end this here for part one. And what I'm going to do just to give you a little bit of a nibble on what's coming up is I think I'm going to read the uh, story that I read um, to kick off part two. I I wrote several pages of of some short fiction. Um, Most people don't know that I do that. And quite frankly, I, I do it very little anymore. I enjoy writing fiction because you can make you can make it whatever you want. There's no doctrinal boundaries where it has to be perfect the best that we can because it'll be scrutinized by other people. It's fiction. I can make I can make a dog fly across the sky and it's, it's fiction. Who cares, right? <laughs> so we're going to read some fiction that but my heart's intent is to give us a little bit of an illustration, a metaphor if you will, of of an individual living out what I'm trying to say father might be feeling, might be experiencing as we institute our own traditions instead of following his ways, instead of doing his feasts. And so we're going to we're going to do that. We're going to talk, <clears throat> excuse me, right after that, I intend to follow it with a little bit of history about Christmas, the Christmas holiday. And we're not going to talk about it from a standpoint that maybe you've heard it presented to you from. We're going to come out of a little bit different place than maybe you would even expect that even in all honesty surprised me. Um, how did Christmas become what it has specifically here in America where most of the people who watch this program and listen to it reside? How have we got here? Because friends, if we don't know how we got here, we have no right to adopt that as our own tradition. We've got to know the source and know where it came from and why and what we're even celebrating because just because we throw baby Jesus in a manger and call it Christian does not make it approved by our Heavenly Father. So we're talking about the festivals of men or feasts of the Lord, and it will be a choice, my friend. We will have to choose. This is another biblical challenge to Christmas. We're going to get to that part here in next two, a little bit more. So tune back in. Reach out to us anytime here at the Path to Zion podcast at pathtozionpodcast at gmail.com. Send us an email, your thoughts. Thank you to those of you who continue to reach out and let us know you're listening and that you're glad that every once in a while we let you know we're alive out here. So thank you for watching. We are rediscovering the ancient way. Amen.